0: James and Jane. Hi, this is James. Just before we start, I wanted to remind you that you can read our articles, explore more podcasts, and learn about our online personal and management development programs and workshops by visiting our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, on to the podcast. Hi everyone, this is James.
1: And this is Jane.
0: And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast. This week we're going to be speaking about goal setting. Um, this is in the middle of series three. Uh, and series three, obviously, as you guys know, is all about behavior and behavior change. And goal setting is one of the key um, tools that can help people change their behaviors or, or help um, people try and influence and shape some of the behaviors of others around them. So it feels like an important subject for us to get involved in. Um, but before we jump into it, as ever, um, you can get in touch with us. Where can they get us to?
1: They can get us uh, on Twitter, at The Wow Podcast. At The Wow Podcast. They can get us uh, get in touch with us on our website, which is thewowpodcast.org. Um, and we're also on most of the other social media, yeah. so Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, you can come find us.
0: Yeah, check it out. You'll be able to see us. Um, cool. So, how have you been getting on?
1: I have been all right. I've all been a bit right. up and down, if I'm honest. Yeah?
0: Yeah. But, you were a bit um, poorly at one point, weren't you?
1: I was a bit poorly. Um, I was a bit badly organised. Uh and I've I've had a couple of weeks where I've had like highs and lows. Yeah. So uh I'm just trying to get myself back onto an even keel at the moment. Cool. How about you?
0: Yeah, I'm doing good. Um if only we had a video the world could see that I was wearing a very summery shirt today. I'm wearing a bright bright yellow shirt because the sun is out and that makes me feel pretty good. Um, I cannot believe the weather we're having in Edinburgh. It's, fantastic. it's ridiculous it's, I've overdressed every yeah, day this I week. Don't. I keep putting jackets on. And we joke about sunny Edinburgh, but it's no joke. I mean it's it's fantastic. But it's been I mean. glorious to so. say. Um, so yeah, so I'm doing I'm doing good. I've had a nice, nice time recently and doing well.
1: Good. So what we're we looking at today?
0: So um today we're gonna to be doing the usual type of run through that we do. So the structure's the same. So we'll be um we'll be focusing on a definition discussion, going into a research roundup, we'll be doing a list of a week, stories from a keyboard, final thoughts and top tips, and then we'll be checking out. So the same thing that we do Every um, every episode, really. But there's a twist, right? There is a twist. There's a twist in the tail of this one, and it's something that um, hopefully we'll be able to manage. We are doing a reverse roux, as I'd call it.
1: I've no <laughs> idea what reverse roux is, but I am taking on a research roundup, whereas James is going to be looking after definitions and uh, list of the week this yeah. week.
0: That's a reversaroo. You've just defined it very well.
1: Okay. I'm not sure about the reversaroo terminology, but um, well, maybe... suffice <laughs> to
0: say, this might be the one and only time I'm in charge <laughs> yes. of Research Roundup. And next time we'll provide a definition of reversaroo just to make sure everyone's on the same page. Unfortunately, it's not under definitions this week. Um, that's okay. Anyway, should I. Um... Do you want to kick us off with some definitions? Yes, I'll try and. Get myself back in order and actually talk through some definitions. So, um, this week we've got a collection of definitions for you. One of them you've heard before, and some of the others are newer and specifically related to uh, goal setting. So, the first one, again, we're going to come back to it pretty much in all of these episodes in series three, is motivation. Um, the definition we've got is from Psychology and Society Wiki, um, and the definition just says that motivation is the reason for people's actions, willingness, and goals. Motivation is derived from the word motive, which is defined as a need that requires satisfaction. And in other episodes, you would have heard, um, you know, other definitions like need and things like that, that that elaborate on that. But that's the core basis of this series, so it's important to come back to that. Uh, the next definition we have this week is performance, is from a Cambridge Dictionary, and it says that performance is how well a person, machine, etc., does a piece of work or an activity. So it's all about tracking the. You know, the quality, pace, and all those other types of definitions of doing a piece of work and getting something done. So that's performance. Next up, goal. We couldn't have a goal setting without goal. goal. Um, businessdictionary.com says that a goal is an observable and measurable end result, having one or more objectives to be achieved within a more or less fixed time frame. So what that means is that, you know, a goal is a sort of a longer term thing. It might have some sub-steps sub you know, subobjectives around it but it's something that you want to achieve over um, a broadly fixed time frame so it's it's important to understand what a goal is if you're going to be setting some of these goals um next up we've got two slightly different definitions that are worth running through the first one is goal-directed behavior and this is from the psychology dictionary online um, and what it says is that in this instance behavior oriented toward attaining a particular goal is goal-directed behavior Uh, the definition goes on to say that um, it's identified by observing that the animal or person ceases search behavior and engages in detour behavior when it encounters obstacle to the goal now that one i'm not sure i really understand but we'll pop back to that one in a minute the next one uh, definition we have for you is goal acceptance and this is from the oxford dictionary of sports science and medicine so we're getting pretty niche which is kind of exciting all right So what we're talking about goal acceptance, and and again, this is a kind of sporting-based one. What we say here is that um, this is the agreement by an athlete to attempt to achieve a defined goal. Goal acceptance may change between training and competition. A goal set in training may well be regarded as too high for competition. So that's kind of an interesting definition, and it's very sports-related. But the idea around acceptance of goals is something that's important um, throughout the rest of this uh, conversation. So it's definitely right that we brought it up. What do you think about that?
1: Well, uh, as you might have noticed, that I slid a sports one in at the end because I've picked up a little bit of the research later is um, around sports, and I think given uh, sports people have very specific uh, and clear goals, quite often about time, speed weight yeah um it's really interesting to understand how they do it and a lot of sports psychologists actually looked at this quite quite a lot of detail yeah um so particularly this concept um of agreement so goal acceptance being a a two-way agreement that that can be rescinded at any point and i think that's really important um so for me i I quite like that one Um, i I think i think the goal directed behavior one which admittedly is somewhat uh wordy is ultimately about that concept of uh being able to overcome obstacles it's like perseverance yeah so it's about something um so i I assume the animal part of it is you know you are going towards foraging for something and you hit a fence and you dig under the fence yeah so you stop going straight to searching because you recognize that getting under the fence will give you a more opportunity in the longer term
0: yeah so like i go into a supermarket and i really want to buy my favorite milk and they don't have a favorite milk in that supermarket so maybe i'll go to another supermarket in my own animalistic world is that fair yeah, I think so.
1: And um, interestingly, I've just looked at a piece of uh, very briefly a piece of research that talks about um, a case for animal-human translational models of goal-directed behaviour. Well, there so go. there's obviously some more interesting stuff behind all of that. Cool. Well, let's
0: save um, that for another uh, episode. Well, you know,
1: maybe not... we could cool. put a link up and
0: people could oh, have a look that'd be good.
1: if you're interested in uh, animal-human translational models. Yeah,
0: a little Easter egg. Cool. Well. I'm very pleased to say I believe I've made it through my first set of definitions. Is that so, really your first
1: set of That's my first
0: set of definitions, uh, yeah. Okay. Pretty exciting. Um, would you like to pick up and do some research roundup for us? Absolutely. So in this
1: research roundup, we're going to look at uh, the granddaddies or godfathers of goal setting, Locke and Latham. Uh, we're also going to touch on SMART smart goals cool. because that's something that some of the listeners will be very familiar with or would think whether they've been a manager, whether they work in HR, whether even they're a leader or CEO. Uh, SMART goals comes up quite a lot in the process of performance review. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about something else that comes from sport around outcome performance and process goals and we're also going to talk very briefly about what I call the dark well not I, what a number of people refer to as the dark side of goal setting, which sounds very dramatic. It
0: does, doesn't it? I'm, I'm but, suspense. You're um, in
1: suspense. <laughs> yeah. uh, Well, I'm gonna, that's why I'm doing it last. <laughs> okay, so well, well, well. we're going to start with Lock and Latham. Um, as I mentioned, the certainly uh, very well-cited... Uh, originators of goal setting theory. Mm-hmm. Locke and Latham were two uh, individual researchers. Research started in the 60s, yep. um, but they came together. Uh, one of them looked at a lot of task motivation and the other was uh, looking more at behavior change and things like that, but before it was behavior change. Mm-hmm. And they came together around goal setting and did a piece of work that outlined uh, what needed to be in place for goal setting to be effective. Okay. And um, continued to research and actually really inspire a huge wealth of research around uh, the validity of goal setting Um, such that I would say it's one of the most well researched parts of organizational uh, and occupational psychology and certainly there's a wealth of evidence about how in certain circumstances goal setting is incredibly effective so I'm going to take you through the five rules or things that should be in place Um, So the first thing that Locke and Latham argue is that you need clarity. So your goals need to be clear and they need to be concise. They need to be really easy to explain. And if you think about it in simplistic terms for your brain, if you can explain them to someone else, then there is a very good chance that your brain has broken them down into very simplistic um, things that need to be done. And if you really understand, like everything, if you really understand them, you can always do it in in single syllable words. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, The test I always have is, could I explain it to my grandma? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So clarity is really, really important. Uh, The second is around challenge. So Locke and Latham argue that a goal should stretch you. Um, It's a really interesting one because uh, it's not necessarily what would have been thought of by some of the existing research that was around at the time, particularly expectancy theory. Um, But without question, their argument is that if you believe you can achieve that goal... Yeah and it is stretching, you will have a better chance of achieving that goal if you have
0: set it. Yeah. So... um, I think that bit's really interesting and I think that kind of reminds me of some of the stuff we spoke about in motivation where we said that, you know, people want to achieve and they want to get that little bit of an achievement kick from doing something. So if it's a bit stretching, you'll get a bit more of a kick and and that kind of makes sense to me. Like certainly for me, you know, if I achieve something a bit harder and if I challenge myself, I feel better for having done it. So I I want to try and make it happen.
1: Yeah, and I think think that, that... piece around having faith in your abilities to achieve it is uh, is really interesting, I think, because uh, I suspect uh, that is a difficult, honest conversation to have sometimes in the workplace with your manager. I'm sure. You know, sure. you quite often, maybe you don't really believe you can achieve it, but yeah, you yeah, feel yeah. that you need to be seen to yeah, it. So I think there's all balance, sorts of so nuance yeah. around that. It's really interesting. So the third one is probably the one that I, I find most interesting, which is around something called commitment or acceptance. Um, and it gets quite often referred to as commitment but actually I think acceptance is a more appropriate word Um, and it's around the idea that you must actually accept as a as a worker um, accept the goal in order to create that commitment and that is uh, that there is a process of you identifying what someone is asking of you or what you are asking of yourself and that you agree internally to and maybe externally to take that on. Yeah, And I think it's a really, really interesting one. And I think it gets missed a lot of the goal setting process. I think we're really able to talk about um, why we want to do something, but we don't necessarily have an honest conversation with ourselves and our peers to say, I am actually, you know, I'm not sure about this. Yeah, I get the reason for it, but I'm not sure I can do it or I'm not sure I want to do it. Yeah, it's
0: kind of buy-in to some extent.
1: Yeah, and I think it is. And I think think that's why the definition was really important because they talk about athletes being able to rescind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really important because I think you can go through the process and actually if you recognise that a goal is having... Uh, the, not the intention, not the impact that you wanted, mm-hmm. or that you no longer feel that it's a beneficial goal.
0: Yeah, that
1: acceptance can always be withdrawn.
0: Yeah, so you can like learn about side effects of having achieved a goal. Yeah, but whatever. also if
1: you become demotivated, yeah. that may happen. And I think understanding that underlying acceptance has to be there throughout the process. Yeah, yeah, it's um, powerful. You won't. And I, I, all of this is about how how do you make it effective as a process, mm-hmm. right? And then the fourth one is around feedback, which is literally consistently where i see systems in or big organizations fall down so feedback is uh, about and it might be verbal but actually quite often it might be data so it's about when people are trying to achieve a goal are they regularly getting information that helps them adjust their behavior or their actions Mm -hmm. so if i am a leather worker and Mm -hmm. i make beautiful handcrafted bags and i have set myself a goal to double my my production Mm -hmm. in a month if i do not know how many I've uh, produced in that first week? I haven't got an ability to go. Okay, well, am I on track? Am I not on track? Uh, how much? How much quicker do I need to work in this next week to catch up? Or actually, um, am I? Is my quality dropping? So that although I think I've done twenty, I've actually only done ten because they haven't been great.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you thought that you made them beautifully, but you were sloppy, so the quality's not. Yeah, and I the, think the I think
1: this you, this is consistently an issue. Yeah. Um, a lot of organizations do personal development reviews every year, so mm-hmm. they don't get feedback about how well you're adapting or, or reaching your goals. Or, indeed, they set goals that are difficult to uh, people. are. It's difficult for them to get a reading in between the year. Okay. So, for example, uh, I, I had a membership manager I know who was set targets around there, how many members they had each year. But there were no metrics in between because it was a once-year review process. So how that person is then meant to adjust what they yeah, do during yeah, yeah, yeah. the year is very difficult and how they adjust their team's behaviour. So feedback's really important um, because otherwise that person who's trying to achieve that goal can't then adapt what they're doing. And then the fine, final one is is it's not so much as something to do but something to be aware of, which is around task complexity. If a task is really, really complicated, it is harder for uh, goal setting to have an impact. Um, okay. So something as simple as I will produce five more leather straps for these handbags every week is a relatively straightforward and simple thing. Yeah. Uh, Something like I will reorganize my team such that we're producing a hundred more bags, which consist of 200 elements Mm -hmm. is a harder thing. Yeah. And so the argument is you need to break those down. Yeah. um, So that they become much more simplistic and therefore then comply with the rest of the rules. Uh, So that's Locke and Latham's, certainly their their seminal piece, the piece at the beginning that really helped shape a lot of, well, pretty much all of the goal-setting material that has come around since. Um, One of the things that clearly has its roots, I think, it would be fair to say, is around SMART goals, which, have you come across SMART goals? Maybe. Yeah, they're quite popular, aren't they? Yeah, they Every are. Every HR department quite likes a SMART goal. Yes. Um, So for those of you who haven't come across them, uh, SMART goals we think were first uh, mentioned in Management Review 1981 by uh, some researchers, academic researchers, uh called George Doran, Arthur Miller and James Cunningham. Arthur Miller, huh? I not that pillar, I don't think <laughs> not well, no, I don't, actually don't know it could yeah, yeah it, it could, could be, be I, you know. <laughs> I I might have to go find out um and they argue that um good goals are specific measurable attainable, relevant and time based and you'll see some uh some elements of those from, uh, f- have just at least overlap with Locke and Latham's
0: work. Yeah. I um, see um, I see people get that one slightly wrong sometimes. So I quite often hear people say specific, measurable, attainable, realistic and time-based. So I always, like, relevance seems to disappear when I hear people speaking about it.
1: Yes, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because quite significantly,
0: yep. quite
1: often goals have no relevance to Absolutely, people. And yeah. they...
0: Maybe they're just fine. And
1: I think that really closely <laughs> relates to goal acceptance. If it's not relevant to you, yeah. you just don't engage with it. And particularly when you're goal setting around uh, back office staff, for example, yeah. and they're like, you get a goal and you're like, well, this has got nothing to do yeah, with my job. Or, do with what, how yeah, do yeah. I have any impact on that? Mm-hmm. Um, I, how do you feel about smart goals?
0: I think that theoretically smart goals are absolutely fantastic. And it's, it's a great, great thing to aim to have. I think, um, I think that for simple, um, simple things, they're probably pretty good. I think that there can be sort of goal fatigue as a result of SMART goals. Um, And I think that we can try and SMARTify stuff and create lots of goals um, when we maybe don't need to. Um, SMARTify? SMARTify. I like that. Yep, SMARTify it. Um, And I actually think that I seldomly see them used really well. I think that to do it well takes effort. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily really invest that effort. I think, you know, a lot of goal setting is almost retrospective in my experience in large organisations, um, and I don't. I I see it just being kind of played as a game, as opposed to really used. I guess. What, what's your view? What's your yeah?
1: I I would agree with that. I think. Um. I think I see a lot of it reverse engineered. So yeah. this is where we. These are the goals we've already decided as an organisation. How are we going to break them down? And someone's got to be responsible for some of it. So who's yeah. doing what? Yeah. And that's not what goal setting is. It's not to me. That's not uh, going to create an acceptance of yeah. goals by people. Yeah. Um. So that bothers me. And I. The other thing I think is. Um, I just don't think people spend the time that they need to, to really get under the skin of totally. how goal setting can be
0: effective. Totally. Um, and time's a scarce resource. And a lot of people in organisations don't feel they have the time to time to actually do it.
1: And if they're not really bought into it, then, yeah.
0: you know. I've actually seen a lot of instances where people set goals having already achieved a certain amount of things. They're like, so what have I achieved this year so far? Yeah. How do I turn that into a SMART goal and make it so I'm going to achieve that? And meet my goals by the end of the year.
1: Well, and controversially, uh, the re- you mentioned realistic instead of relevant. Yeah. So controversially, people always used to quote that to me. They'd be like, well, it needs to be achievable.
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, it does ab- attainable. Yes, it absolutely does need to be attainable, but it also needs to be relevant. Yeah. And I just uh, consistently see uh, organizations setting goals that I'm not convinced people see as entirely relevant yes. to their role. So, mm, yeah, I, I'm much more comfortable with Locke and Latham's uh, approach, but I think it's harder. And I think uh, smart works if people understand what they're doing. And I think goal setting is a real skill. Yeah. yeah. And it, I'm still not perfect at it, and I've been doing it for years. Um, OK. So, I've also picked out something from uh, a bit more recently and uh, from sports psychology. Uh, so, goal setting in sports psychology is really big, positive psychology in sports psychology. Um, have really embraced this, and a I like it because it's an equation, Ooh. and you know I love an equation. We love an equation, uh, and also because uh, it it really rings true with some of my coaching and some of the work that I do, and even my personal experiences. So um LM Lease talks about three types of goals in 2003, um, and talks about outcome goals. Now, in sports terms, that's winning competitions. Winning a medal at the Olympics, it might be uh, coming third in a golf competition. It's about uh, the result. Yeah. Uh, he at uh, least talks about performance goals. So those uh, would be measurable, but they wouldn't necessarily be an outcome. So, for example, you might set yourself a performance goal of 10 seconds, 100 meters. That may still come last. Yeah. So the outcome Absolutely. may not be as relevant, but it is It is a, a measurable, yeah. numeric. Um, you may, if you're a tennis player, set yourself a goal of 80% of your first serves. In, yeah. Right. That is your performance. You might still lose.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then Lise talks about process goals. And I think of these as input goals. Okay. So process goals are what is the process that you are going to execute?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what is the goal you're gonna set? So for example, I can't guarantee I'm gonna run hundred meters in ten seconds. Well, I firstly I can't do that <laughs> I anyway. Was gonna but say. someone can't. Gosh. But what they can do is they can commit to a process goal of doing twenty minutes hardcore sprinting every day and five mile run every evening yeah. for a year. Right. Injury allowing. Yeah. Right. Those are things they can commit to, the amount of time they spend on something or the intensity with which they do it. Yeah. Um, And actually, it's really, really important because athletes, I think, and it's a lesson we don't learn often enough because we look at them as as elite specialist beings, they can't control how anyone else performs,
0: Yeah.
1: right? So it's really interesting to me. A swimmer cannot get in the pool and control the other seven lanes. They can only control what the work is that they've done and whether that work, they have good belief, will help them get a performance goal. Mm -hmm. The outcome is completely out of their control.
0: Yeah.
1: In the sense that if someone else has done more work and done something else and has a better, I don't know, wingspan in front front crawl, they're going to be able to do it. So um, it's a really important way of saying, you know, I've got to control the controllables. And so in work, for me, I have tried really hard when I've been managing people to set them process goals over outcomes. Yeah. Because it's something that they can feel is within their gift.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, particularly when it's things like customer service complaints and stuff like that. You know, you, you just, you cannot control a sewer breaking yeah. in a major venue, right? But you can control the work that you do around that to support people. Yeah. Um, so for me, uh, it's really powerful. And the equation that they set, uh, how do these goals fit together? P plus P equals O. So process plus, pe- plus performance. <laughs> wow. Pros, Try that again. Plus process plus performance. Performance equals outcome. Yeah, that's good. What do you think?
0: I like it. Um, Yeah, I think it's good. I think the distinction's good. Um, I've used the same concepts, I think, with different language in in the stuff that I've done before. So when I've worked within organisations trying to help teams and individuals set goals... um, We've normally done it through the lens of something like KPIs from a, a team perspective. And there I've talked about the idea of lead and lag indicators, which I think is very much the same thing, right? So, so when we've talked about lead and lag indicators, we've said that lag indicators are the things that happen at the end. They're the things that are, in, in your instance, almost kind of like your outcome ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about lead indicators, which are what are the things that I'm doing now that are indicating that I'll reach a good outcome later on. Right. So these are my leading indicators, indicators of future success, um, lead indicators versus lag indicators being actual measurements of achieved success. And, and we've certainly looked at that split um, at an organizational level. Um, so I guess from our side, things, an example could be something like uh, in financial services, again, number of customer complaints. For us, that's almost a lag indicator, right? You know, how have we achieved? Well, you know, X number of customer complaints um, per thousand customers is a measure of achievement, that's a lag achievement indicating how we've done, but we can we can measure some lead indicators of that through things like, you know, number of training sessions for customer service advisors or things like that. How do we invest in um, training and development? How do we simplify, you know, how much money do we spend simplifying the automated phone systems or whatever it happens to be? So again, that split between lead and lag in the language I use, I think is, is helpful. Yeah. Um, and i kind of like your your triple one there and i like the sports analogy i think it's helpful i think it um i think it brings it to life and makes it relatable to people
1: uh, it's been a start actually it's been really surprising to me how much i have gained so uh for those of you listeners who know i'm uh very much an amateur dabbling in research which is why i'm not normally allowed to do it um but also i'm studying this at the moment um as a master student at Birkbeck uni and um it has been It's not sports psychology that I'm studying, but mm-hmm. I'm actually picking up a lot from my day job yeah. and through talking to some of the sports psychologists that I work with in other organizations. And it's really interesting to see how much simpler some of the analogies are yeah. and some of the examples are to help me actually think about it from a work context. Yeah. Because um, there is a purity of some, certainly some sorts of sports that it's really easy then to pick out what the uh, comparisons
0: are. Yeah, somehow it's more measurable in some ways, isn't it? I mean, you can.
1: Yeah. You, well, you, certainly with with certainly with things like athletic swimming, yeah. the, the time based things, it's yeah. re- or the weight based things, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna when we uh, put up the links and stuff, I will put a couple of links up to some of the sports psychology journals that I've read because they're really mm. interesting. Um, and who doesn't like reading about athletes, right? Yeah. Uh, so, are you still waiting with basically? I'm breath? totally waiting. I okay. know exactly
0: what's coming up, and I just want to know what the
1: dark side of goal setting okay. is. Okay, so, um, the dark side of goal setting is... Um, it got called out in 2007 in a paper by uh, Lisa Ordonez. Uh, a paper called Goals Gone Wild, which I just thought was brilliant. And I've got to say a massive thank you to... Um, my Birkbeck lecturer Judy Dickinson who sets our reading because it was just fascinating I, I actually cool. picked this up during my reading in my um in my degree and I just thought it was so brilliant cool. um, and Audeness uh, and her co-researchers uh, argues that and it's I mean there's some seriously contentious language in it but the upshot of it is that um, there is an acknowledgement that goal setting works and is powerful mm-hmm. as a psychological tool yeah and therefore um, probably Could it could be done with a little more care uh, than it currently does. Care for what kind of stuff? uh, So the argument is that we probably need to be more careful with it, knowing that it's as powerful as it is. Okay. Now that we know, and I I would argue that's no different to any other psychological tool, but certainly it kicked off a huge discussion. Okay. And I think probably because it works, right? So organizations were using it. So Ordnese and her uh, co-writers argue that there's a number of criticisms. and there, are, since then, there's been lots of other critiques that have come out. Uh, the four kind of main comments are, uh, if it's t- too specific, it's really easy to get stuck on a goal and lose sight of the overall aim. And I think that's particularly true when it, a goal is a sub-goal of a sub-goal of a yeah, sub-goal. Okay, okay. And you become obsessed with chasing that goal even if it's no longer helping the organisation. And when you start linking performance pay to that, then you start to get huge problems. Yeah, because fine. if your pay is related... To achieving X number of unit sales, but actually that unit is no longer productive for the organisation. You are going to continue selling it yeah, yeah, unless yeah, yeah, someone right. tells you that you're going to be able to get your pay. So
0: if you make a loss on each unit sale, you probably don't want to keep selling them all. Right. Yeah.
1: But someone might want to because their target might be set around it. By that yeah. yeah. Um, too many. So when people have too many goals, they tend to concentrate on the easy on the easy ones or or just get spread too thinly. Yeah. Um, too soon. Uh, my personal favourite, and I think this one's the most uh, concerning for me at a societal level. Um, so, if goal, goals tend to be set according to a period that is measurable, and, and uh, quite often that is an annual cycle in business yeah, or even quarterly. And it is a f- four, four year yeah. a four-year cycle in government and policy quite often in this country, four to five years, right? Mm-hmm. The concern of that is if you are always thinking in that short to medium term and never thinking about the long term. You will never make good investment decisions. So, if you think about, for example, heavy capital infrastructure
0: yeah.
1: and investing in machinery, yeah. if you are only thinking in that short term and setting goals around it, someone has to be having an eye over the horizon. Yeah. Someone has to be looking further forward and saying, "How does this fit within a longer-term strategy?" And I don't think I don't think that happens uh, in organisations where there's been huge amounts of goal setting quite yeah. often, um, and certainly with governments, we see it all the time, right? because their, their, their reward is potential re-election yeah yeah absolutely um, and so they will set deliberate goals that they can achieve and then be able to trumpet them in front of their yep, own, exactly. in front of their electorate and then also um, a big criticism one that that they talk about quite heavily in the paper uh, is around the temptation so if you create additional uh, motivators for people um, to achieve goals, it is argued that you are are increasing the motivation to potentially unethical behaviour. So the examples that are given uh, are things in large corporate organisations where people have been so heavily incentivised to achieve goals that they've lost sight of what organisations' values
0: and um, behaviours should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you might have been speaking about the industry that I've been part of. I (laughs) do Maybe. Yeah. Okay.
1: I mean, actually, funnily enough, the the, the examples they give yeah. are are not predominantly from the finance industry. Okay. Although they do mention it, but they talk a lot about uh, they talk about the Enron disaster, for example, fine. and how unethical behaviour uh, potentially was allowed to continue because it was s- because the the organisation become so fixated on short term goals. Yeah. Fine. And they just weren't looking at what was happening. There's a there's a really great piece that uh, one of my Fellow students passed me on to, which I, is, is by someone I really like called Margaret Heffernan, who talks about willful blindness. Yeah, okay. and she she talks about when people just don't want to see. Yeah, they don't want to see what's going on because right now it suits them not to. Yeah, and um, goal setting, I it was huge echoes of goal setting for me. If you if you haven't got someone acting as a moral compass for the organisation and checking the bigger strategy, then you could end up in a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah, you well, might have
1: had some of those I, examples.
0: Yeah, too. I mean, I guess the industry that I've been part of for a long time has had a whole load of these things. And I guess the the sort of moral ambiguity or the, or the gray areas between what is legal and what is ethical is a really complicated area. And if somebody's incentivized to do something that's not illegal, but might be morally dubious, then they'll do it. And obviously in my industry, people cross straight over into lots of things that, that kind of are illegal. Um, so we've had all kinds of stuff. So what popped to mind when you were speaking about that last piece um, around the sort of attractiveness of goals was um, things like the the LIBOR rigging scandal. That yeah, it's listening. funny
1: that was the first one that jumped into my was head it? above yeah. ev-
0: above all of them because yeah. it's
1: where you have an ability to influence the rules of the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's almost a collusion aspect. Yeah, right? there is an ability
1: would, yeah. to get the result by by fixing the game. Yeah. That's an extraordinarily
0: yeah. So that's a really funny one. Yeah, um, interesting one. And then then I guess obviously the, the other big ones that people will know about in the UK is PPI, which is Payment Protection Insurance, which yeah. basically is mis-selling of, a, of an insurance product bolted onto a retail product to people that don't need it. Um, the, the, you know, the banking industry in the UK has spent years trying to fix that through a series of remediation projects and ultimately compensation. And I think it's cost the banks over 50 billion pounds now. I mean, it's a huge amount of, of repayment for unethical behavior. And of course in the US recently you had Wells Fargo. Here we're just creating accounts for people because they, that was their, you know, incentive structure.
1: And um, and that's I, I think they're probably the best simplistic example yeah. of what a disaster. Yeah, I mean you
0: just you just do it.
1: So yeah, so I, I you know, the way I what I took from uh some of the critique of goal setting is there's a critique there because it works. Let's yeah. let's not get away from that. The reason people are critiquing it is because there is evidence that it works. Um but you know in the words of a superhero, with great power comes great responsibility. If you understand and know how to set good goals, be yeah. wary of what you're doing.
0: Yeah. So all you listeners out there, you're all superheroes now because you know all about goal setting and just remember to... Uh... Yeah, which superhero, which side do you want to be? That's,
1: oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's but the we're...
0: question, right? Yeah. Are you going to do it for good? The force is strong in this one.
1: <laughs> do you know there's like half the audience that's sitting there going, I have no idea what you're yeah, doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yes, so Star Wars references aside... Um, I was actually thinking of X-Men also, I'd like oh, to point yeah, out, okay. not Star Wars. Oh, no, no, I enough. was just
0: bringing more more superheroes, more... Oh, uh,
1: okay. So there you go. That's my research roundup. We've talked a little bit about uh, Locke and Latham. Uh, we've talked about uh, smart goals, goal setting in sport, particularly around the concept, the role of process goals, and then we've finished off with some Dark Side. Dark Side. What do you think?
0: I thought it was great. I liked it. I think you did an excellent job of research roundup. I think there's some really... Intriguing oh, stuff James. in there. No oh, shucks. That was feedback. It was Thank timely. Thank you. It was timely. <laughs> uh, it was do helpful. you want
1: to... What have you got for us this week for list of the week?
0: Yeah, uh, list of the week. List of the week. I've got a seven-point list for you this week. Um, and it's uh, it's another great name. We had Victor Vroom last week. And we've decided to <laughs> skip a little bit further along the alphabet and hit you with another um, double opener with Zig Ziglar. Um, so, actually, what we've got is... Um, a seven-step process around goal-setting from Zig Ziglar. And um, again, this is kind of hopefully a a helpful process that people can go through to set some goals for themselves. It's it's kind of, in the language of last week, sort of a practitioner-type approach to things. Um, And we'll just read it and see what you guys think. You guys can go off and and use it. Um, But there are seven steps to it. Um, The first step is to identify the goal. It sounds like an obvious thing to do when you're goal setting, but if you identify, you know, roughly what the goal is and what you're trying to do, then that's a really helpful, helpful stage um that, that you can build on um, in terms of your approach to trying to reach that goal. So once you've identified what your goal is, the next thing to do is to step back and think about the benefits. Right? So we talked earlier. Um, or you touched in your your roundup about the importance of acceptance and things like that for goals. Well, this is part of that, right? So you need to start to to visualise the benefits associated with a goal. So you know what what's, what's in it for you? What will change as a result of achieving it? How will you be better as a result of achieving your goal? Um, and and that'll help make sure that it's something that you want to achieve and help drive some of that motivation. The next thing to do, having uh, captured the benefits, is to step back and think about what are some of the obstacles or challenges in relation to the goal. So what would you need to overcome if you were going to, um, if you're really going to achieve that goal? What are the barriers in the way? And and, and to some extent, how are you going to get past those? And, and how much effort will it take to help you achieve that goal? So by this stage, we've done the first three steps. So we've identified what the goal is. We've identified the benefits of achieving it. And we've identified the, identified the obstacles we need to overcome together. The next thing to do is to say, okay, well, we know the benefits and obstacles. What are the skills and capabilities and knowledge that we require if we're going to achieve that goal. You know, so what what do we need to have in our toolkit? Use that phrase again. What are the skills and knowledge that we need to know, um, and to be able to use to help us get to that goal? So that's stage four, um, and then the next stage is to spend a bit of time and say, well, you know, we're not looking at this on our own. Um, you know, no no man is an island, and all that kind of stuff. Who are the other people or groups that we need to work with? to help us get from our current state to where we want to be, to to the achievement of that goal. So by stepping back and thinking about that, we can identify people who can help us either through um, donation of their skills or help us with specific ways to overcome obstacles or or help us to some extent achieve benefits and things like that. So who can uh, help us achieve a goal that we want to achieve? And so by this stage, what we've done is we've identified the goal, which is the future state that we want to achieve. Then we've looked at four steps. So we've looked at the benefits, the obstacles, the skills, and the people. And this is all about kind of a current state and, you know, sort of what are the things around us? What are the factors that will affect our ability to achieve it? And having thought about those um, two sets of things, we can move on to the next point, which is really developing a plan of action. So the goal is that, you know, that, that sort of distant event in the future of a distant outcome in the future that we want to achieve. Um, but to get there, you know, we won't go straight there. We'll need to go through a series of steps as we transition from here to there. And those steps form the basis of an action plan. So what we might want to do is we might want to identify some high-level milestones. I don't know, maybe four or five key key things to achieve between our current state and the goal. And then for each of those, we might break those milestones down into actions. So what are the actions that help us achieve our first milestone? What are the actions that help us achieve the second? And so on. Um, and as we do that, then we can move on to the last stage of the process, which is setting a deadline for achievement. So as, as we go through the planning process, we can look at how long we think each of the actions will take, their interrelatedness, the dependencies between them. Um, and through that, we can start to build out a deadline that helps us say when we'll achieve the actions, when we'll achieve the milestones. And ultimately, based on um, everything that we've analyzed in terms of the obstacles we'll overcome, the skills we have, um, the people who'll help us when we think we will ultimately achieve that goal, um, and by doing that, if we go through that seven-stage process, then we do, you know, a fair number of the things that are called out in some of the research earlier. So we can define smart goals. We will get buy-in. Um, you know, we'll we'll get real clarity over what we're trying to achieve. Hopefully, we'll be stretching and challenging in terms of setting the goal. Um, and yeah, so that's it. So that's the seven steps of goal setting. Uh, courtesy of Zig Ziglar. Um, I'll read them again just quickly. Number one, identify the goal. Number two, list the benefits, what's in it for me. Number three, list the obstacles that need to be overcome. Number four, list the skills and knowledge required to achieve a goal. Number five, identify the people and groups to work with. Number six, develop a plan of action. And number seven, set a deadline for achievement. What do you think?
1: Uh, I like Zig Ziglar's list.
0: Yeah? Um He's, Do you like the list as much as you enjoy saying Zig Ziglar?
1: A little bit. I don't, he's an interesting character, actually. He's not, he's not a traditional academic at all. He's, um, he comes from the background of sales, but he, he's an interesting guy. Really yeah. interesting. Um, I'd say there's probably three things about that list. Um, one, it's no good listing the benefits if you don't really want them. So I can, uh, the example I would give is when I, uh, when I changed my relationship with food and started to eating more healthily,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I, I couldn't spend the last 10 years writing down all the benefits to doing it. Yeah. But were they so important to me over everything else? No. The reason I did it was because I wanted to change my relationship with food and I wanted to stop. I wanted to have more control over what I was eating mm-hmm. and I was making bad decisions all the time. Um and it was only really that benefit that mattered to me. All the Fine. rest could have been, you know. Fine. It doesn't but matter. So it's, it's it's be it's really not finding something that's right for yeah. you, it's You've a personal. It's it's really it can't just be a list of uh you
0: ubiquitous benefits um, benefits.
1: the second for me is um, he calls out and I think he calls out really well uh, people you need people to work with Um, without question we're talking about goal setting within the context of work we're also talking about behaviour change Mm -hmm. none of the goals that I've achieved I would have been able to achieve without support from the people that were key in that part of my life. Um, So enlisting their help and figuring out who you need to be involved in that process is important. And then the third thing um, that is a question that I always ask myself around goal is, what am I prepared to give up? What am I prepared to do? What lengths will I go to? So very particularly, I quite often put a financial number on it. Mm -hmm. What would I pay to have achieved this change now? Not because I'm going to pay it. But because it's a really good focus point. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, again, when I started to eat healthily, I made a decision. I was just, there was nothing within limits that I wouldn't pay um, as long as I could afford it and as long as it didn't put me into into debt. And as such, I made some really odd choices to other people. I remember sitting in an Italian restaurant at midday on a Monday because it was the only place I could get a decent chicken salad. And there was just, you know, fast food and sandwiches everywhere. Um, and everyone's like, she's gone to a restaurant on her own during work to <laughs> sit <laughs> in a posh restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And I she was like, really I don't like care. That, that is. is the decision that I'm going to make because yeah. that is what I've committed. Um. So I I like his list because it 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 helps give some structure.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things what I was thinking about when I was reading through it is how how it crosses over quite well with certain aspects of coaching. So certain mm. coaching models, you know, some of the, the you know goal oriented yeah. coaching. Um, or outcome-oriented, uh, solution-oriented coaching really covers a similar approach to this. So I'm sure you know a lot of people have heard of something like the GROW model and will do work on coaching at some point. But the GROW model is another you know acronym-based model. It's got four stages. The first one is what's the goal for G? The next one is what's the reality, what's the current state, basically? The next one is um, what are the options? So what are the things that you could do to help you reach the goal? And then the last stage is will, whatever things that you will do, um, mm-hmm. that that the person being coached would commit to to help them reach that goal. And again, that's really quite similar to Zig Ziglar's model. There's just a bit more depth in it. So it's interesting that this is a model that people can use themselves. But a lot of the, the sort of goal um, goal design structures and models cross over into the coaching world.
1: Yeah, there. and I think I think one of the things I've learned from coaching is you don't have to do it all at once. No. Because you will. The first time I did it, it took me weeks to get them right. Mm-hmm. Now I can do it in twenty minutes. Yeah. My annual process, yeah. because I'm so clear on where I'm going and where I want to be. But then, oh, it was it's like hard, pulling yeah. teeth well, trying to figure it out, and get to the bottom of it.
0: To some extent, it's almost at the end of your first year that you decide if you care about this goal. Yes, and
1: and, exa- and i start to understand why you haven't engaged with some of them. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Stories from the keyboard. Uh, personal, the professional. Keyboard. What are you gonna What are you gonna kick off with? Ooh. That's
0: a good question. I hadn't really thought about that. Um, so why don't I do a personal story about goal setting? Um, so I guess I guess a couple of times when I've done some stuff on goal setting that's helped me. Um, two main areas that are in the personal domain that I think are maybe worth touching on. One is stopping smoking. We touched about touched on this before. Yes, hard thing to do. Um, and I you know I stopped smoking years ago, but as I as I moved towards stopping smoking, I reduced the amount that I smoked at various points. And of course I'd relapse and all that kind of stuff. But I ultimately ended up setting myself specific goals on, you know, reducing the number of cigarettes that I smoked in any given period. Um, And then over time that would reduce and reduce. And then by the time I got to the stage where I quit smoking, it wasn't actually that big of a step. So the ultimate goal was to stop smoking, but I had goals along the way, sub goals that were helpful for me. So I guess that's one. Um, Another one is around running. So every year I set myself a goal around the total distance that I run in a year. Um, And I find that motivating and I keep a track of it and I see how I'm progressing and I know that it's a bit stretching um, because of all the other commitments in the world. Um, And I like it. And I've got another goal, which is a total number of half marathons I'll run um, because that's what I do. So I'm going to run. Hopefully 50 half marathons by the time I'm 50 and I'm making great progress. So it's maybe not stretching enough, but it was a good one, right? I, I like it. I like and, that one. Yeah, it keeps me going. So yeah, a few personal, personal reflections. So
1: there. yeah, goal setting, I mean, as you may have gathered, for me, goal setting has been hugely influential in my work and my personal life mm-hmm. um, when I discovered it. I totally discovered it by accident, right? Okay. So the story goes, and this is a true story, I'm in my flat in London. It's New Year's Eve. I've got a stinking cold. Yeah, okay. The last thing I want to do is go out. Right, I'm already a bit. I've, I've done that thing at Christmas and New Year where we all disappear.
0: Yeah.
1: And I've kind of got into that habit of putting my pajamas on and watching too much telly. It's a good um, habit.
0: We'll talk about habituation next time if you well, do yeah. want to. Well,
1: yeah, and how to break those things. Um, <laughs> yes. So, and I've always, all my life, I've quite liked that period as a downtime. Yeah. Anyway, too. so I'm sitting on my sofa and I'm like, right, I'm not going out. And then I look at my, I think, am I going out? And I look at my bank balance and I think, I'm sure I had more money in there than I thought. Yeah. And I decide I'm staying in and I download, so it's kind of been that long ago, but I download every single financial transaction that I've made on every single account for a year.
0: That sounds like a great New Year's Eve party. Right. I this mean, is, I this love is true. This is
1: absolutely <laughs> what I did. Yeah. I felt sick. I was drinking Lemsip, um, which is, for those of you who don't live in England, uh, cough medicine. And... Um, I, I coded every single one. Nice. And I found out where my money was going. Do you know where it was going? To a famous Seattle coffee chain. Ah, uh, yes. And and I'll tell you where it had come from. It had come from me visualising a world where I wanted to work in central London and be that cool kid that walked down the street with her coffee. Yeah. And, and I could see it. I could see that's what I'd done. So for the rest of the evening, I built myself a budget for the coming year. I was meticulous, which in a way that I am not very often meticulous. And... I. it's really important to understand the goal I set myself was not to save money okay. it was not an outcome goal or even a performance goal the goal was to develop an understanding of where my money was going and track oh, that's it that's quite nice isn't it so I, I really believe in this stuff control what you can control and what I could control was knowing where my money was I didn't even have to make any good decisions right yeah, that was, okay. I, I didn't even force myself to say you have to spend your money better I just said you should know where your money's going cool and of course, what happened? I started tracking my money, and I would see where it was going, and I would be horrified. I bet constantly. you were. I bet
0: you were. My coffee budget's crazy. Well, my
1: coffee budget wasn't crazy because it dropped like a stone. Yeah. And the, the the goal I set myself was I wanted to be able to go out on New Year's Eve the following year, and if someone had said to me, "Well, how much money did you spend in X in the in the last year?" I could tell them. Yeah. Okay. And um, so for me, really delving into that goal in detail and knowing everything about what it would take to change that behavior. And really crucially, understanding what I could and couldn't control was important to me. It was really effective. And then the other one I just want to give a little shout-out to is a work goal that um, introduced me to goal setting. Uh So my boss wanted me to delegate more when I moved up to head of operations. And it's a big shout-out to him because he basically turned around to me and said, I am going to ignore every other KPI and objective you've got, and I'm going to judge you next year on one thing, and that is the performance of your team. So anything you do is discounted i don't care how brilliant you are as a deliverer because that's no longer your job that's interesting i will judge you on so when we come sit down to review all we're going to do is take your performance reviews with your team and look at those and that's it and um and he and he said you know of course you've got to get your job done but that's what i'm going to judge you on and it was it was transformative in the way that i thought about my own performances
0: that's really neat
1: oh so good sounds like a fun year um, yeah I mean you know my, my team went through my team went through a bit of a frustration with me at the beginning but then I shared it with them and that shouts out to Zig Ziglar's point mm-hmm. I can't quite believe I'm referencing Zig Ziglar in this yeah. but anyway it it references his thing of I understood who I needed to get involved and once I shared with my team the objective and that it was about giving them more autonomy yeah. rather than dumping all my work on them and it was about me supporting and coaching them through that that they loved it I think I hope <laughs> well they're still friends with me so well, that's that's, right. that's better right yeah Oh, cool. So yeah, those are my those are my personal experiences and um, certainly it's been really effective.
0: Yeah, it's a powerful thing, isn't it? Have you got any um, final thoughts or top tips for anyone about goal
1: setting? Not, not so much a top tip, but a, a kind of a plea. Okay. Which is, if you're not doing goal setting and if you don't go through it with a pers- as a process personally, do.
0: Yeah.
1: It is incredibly informative about understanding yourself and by setting goals and figuring out what doesn't float your boat, you get a really clear understanding of actually what you want from life. Yeah. And if you are doing it, spend a bit more time on it because I never regret time that I spend on my goal-setting activities. Yeah. Um, and and a very specific thing, make sure you physically write it down. And I would say absolutely write it down somewhere that is going to catch your eye every so often.
0: Yeah. Cool. So that's a pretty good tip, I guess. I guess mine's kind of similar but a little bit different. Um, I'm also an advocate of goal-setting. But what I was going to say is that what I find uh, when I reflect on it is that you know setting goals doesn't just help me achieve those goals it actually makes me sort of happier more broadly um occasionally in my life you know I feel sometimes a little bit listless like I'm not really heading in the right direction or something like that so I find that if I've actually stepped back and thought about goals and tried to come up with things um to some extent I'm I'm semi-agnostic of what those goals are you know I want to achieve them and things like that but the very act of actually having goals is really powerful in itself Uh, so I'd say that I'd really recommend that I think it's really powerful just to have them for what they are um, so that's my kind of final reflection on the importance of goals. It sounds like we're really into goals. We are pretty into goals. I, yeah. Independently into goals. Um, we have some mutual goals as well, which is nice. Um, Shall we check out? Do we think that's us kind of done? Anything that you want yeah, to say? Yeah,
1: I, like, I feel like that's a really good starting point for goal setting. I think we'll probably come back to it at some point, certainly around um, some of the more intricate
0: challenges, of, particularly with team setting. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, but for now, I think that's a great place to start.
0: Cool. Well, let us get out of here and say... Um, We'll be back in a in another week or so. We'll be carrying on with season or series three, where we're looking at behaviours and, and behaviour change and things like that. Yeah, enjoy and Good luck with your goal setting. Yeah, tell us your goals. That'll be fun. If you come up with a kooky goal that you really want to achieve, tweet it to us or something like that, and we'll um, we'll probably not do anything with it, but it'll be really nice to have. Well, we'll share it with we'll the, share yeah. it, we'll we'll share it with again. our
1: <laughs> ever-growing Twitter following. Yeah, cool. All right, everyone. Bye, everyone.
0: Hi, thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do please check out our website www.worldofwork.io where you can read some great articles learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver or even support us if you wish through our patreon page that's www.worldofwork.io thank you